Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Marini's Media. Listeners, the heating's on. It's getting darker and darker earlier and earlier, so why not cheer yourself up this November with a subscription to The Athletic for just £1 a week. For a mere 100 of your Scottish pence every seven days, you'll get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash Show. And now Ryan Christie. Christie! He's done it! Step forward, Ryan Christie! It's been a horrible year for everyone. We knew that coming into the game we could give a little something to this country and uh, I hope everyone back home is on our party tonight. David Marshall standing on his line. Mitrovic. Stares at the ball, looks at the goalkeeper. A right-footed penalty that's saved by Marshall down to his left. Scotland have done it. All those years in the wilderness without a major tournament finals to go to. They're over. It is great for Scottish football. You know, it puts us back on the map. It puts us back in the big tournament. I had a little glint in my eye. I might have a little cry when I get in my room later on. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. I'm Andrew Slavin and it's great being Scottish. The Scotland men are going to a first major tournament since 1998. But in the name of the wee Josie man, why did we have to do it in such a goddamn frightening way? Thank you Ryan Christie. Thank you David Marshall, you legend. Thank you Steve Clark. Who's a brilliant manager now, brilliant, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Linking arms with me here on the podcast today, we've got Motherwell employee and long-suffering Scotland fan, Laura Brannan. You have surfaced. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> so happy! And from the Telegraph, ready to pick the tactical bones out of a, yeah, an emotional night, it's JJ Bull. What song are we listening to, JJ? Oh, the Dashing White Sergeant, I believe. Yes! A classic... From the dance halls of uh, various <laughs> weddings I've been to. <laughs> I love it. it. Makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Chosen well by producer Charlie, I have to say, who wanted to record this podcast first thing in the morning, but there was absolutely no chance of that happening. <laughs> um, I've got a sore head. Who else has a sore head? I don't think I slept till at four o'clock. <laughs> Uh, I was up until four thirty on the whiskeys. <laughs> it's also it's also uh, my birthday today, so it's a double celebration. Oh, it's fantastic! Happy birthday, happy birthday. Thank you. It's not about me. It's about the Scotland <laughs> game. My God, I was absolutely bouncing. Makes me feel a little bit bad that um, I didn't wish you happy birthday at three in the morning while we were um, war zoning. I forgot we did what we won a game last night and yeah, we won. <laughs> we won a duos on war zone last night. Oh, so I forgot not only that. did Scotland win, but me and JJ killed it. Call of Duty. Scotland qualified, we win a Warzone game. Ah, I forgot that. I was hammered. Amazing. What an (laughs) eye. What an eye. 
This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. An iconic night in Scottish football history. That goal, uh, their goal as well. Um, that save, that interview. After a 1-1 draw in Belgrade, Scotland won their second of a penalty shootout. Just like their first, Steve Clark has taken us, or will be taking us, to Euro 2020. It feels amazing, um, but I think we kind of have to start, guys, with the with the save from David Marshall. Serbia's fifth penalty kick. We had scored all of our five. Alexander Mitrovic steps up. Marshall's reaction to saving it is just... It just sums up being Scottish, his reaction, doesn't it? Does it? Is it? Is it real? Is it real? I love after all this time, all these years of pain, David Marshall's face was just what every Scotland fan was feeling last night. It was that moment of you look at the linesman, you look at the referee, you wait to get permission to celebrate. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. I want his face plastered across my wall in all the different stages of what he went through in that exact moment. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I knew Mitrovic was going to miss it. It was really weird. When this penalty started, I was convinced that was just done. I was convinced that, because the, the first one they took as well was so cleanly hit. It's like, oh, these mm. boys have like they got the technique. They've got the momentum. They were so strong. They were, every penalty was so powerful. You thought, yeah. how, how is this not, not going to go in the back of the net? Because Marshall went the, the right way a couple of times as well, but just like, even a strong hand wouldn't have stopped it. I think, I mean, the Scotland penalties were decent too, to be fair. Um, but the last one as well, like, it's, yeah. I remember the last time, the last penalty shoot, I remember, well, not penalty shootout, but uh, remember Scotland, the World Cup, the women's, when they uh, got absolutely done in oh. by the referee and the penalties. Yeah. So it's good that, None of that nonsense happens. Kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that would have happened. I would expect Marshall saves it, and then it's like, oh, your foot was a, an inch off the line or something. God, it was good. I was bouncing straight after it. The mental strength of these players, though, to to go into this penalty shootout, has to just be noted because what that team went through from conceding a, a goal in the last seconds of the game, you could see how visibly down they were and how their heads dropped and how mentally everyone was back to the wall it was it was just cling on hope for the best it was it was like we just time traveled back to the, the Scotland of old punt long balls down throw everyone behind the ball hope for the best and then when it gets to the penalties you've just got to completely shift that mentality you've got to lose that because it was back to square one all of a sudden it was a clean slate and we knew we could do it on penalties and you had to just get over that stumbling block, that mental black of what happened in the 90th minute. And to see them all stand up, every single one of them convert it. I mean, we are like the greatest country in the world at taking penalty shootouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly have a 100% record. Mentality, what you said there, was is, is everything I think that Steve Clark has instilled in this, this side. The fact that we've now gone nine games unbeaten, which is the first time since 1976, is, is testament to that kind of, we've heard about it before, a club level kind of attitude that, that that he's instilled in this team but but what did it mean for Steve Clark really because he's a manager who's who's kind of been through the mill a little bit um from club level been highly regarded as a coach what did it mean for his status in management so we spoke to his former roommate a man who who knows what it's like to qualify for major tournaments with Scotland we've got the great Pat Nevin with us Let's talk about Steve Clark. You know, you know him very well. 
you know, describe how he must be feeling because you, you I think you've described him as, as dour, but only on the outside. Um, but he must be brimming with pride. Ah, yeah, he, he'll be buzzing just now because uh, he's one of those guys, it takes a lot to get Clark excited. I think we all know that. Um, but he's so incredibly level-headed. He's stunningly level-headed. And, and even at this moment, yes, he'll be hyper, not hyper, yes, he'll be happy. Um, I would guess by this afternoon, you'll be thinking, right, okay, game at the weekend. Um, and we need to start preparing for the championships. Um, and honestly, he'll be a bit like that. You know, he's one of those guys who gets the very, very best out of everyone around him, but also himself as well. So, yeah, he'll be happy. Um, but he won't do it. He won't show it in the way that we all do. <laughs> he'll, he'll say, I'm really happy. You know, <laughs> but he'll tell that he's happy. And I was, I was trying to explain uh, to people, quite a lot of people were saying, he does come across as really doer. And I said, yeah, but it's a kind of Scottish thing. We get that. Like Andy Murray, you know, we get that. Andy's not boring and doer. But it's just that, that kind of slight Scottish thing that a lot of people have. And there's loads of them. Kenny had it, kind of Gleesh. Mm-hmm. I've met so many people that, but they're really, it all comes to Chick Murray, I think. And, <laughs> you know, because in the inside, we've all got this dry sense of humour, but theirs is arid dry. And I've always liked them guys um, because I can almost read them. I mean, Brian McClare was one of my best mates. I mean, for God's sake, you don't get any more dry and doer than Chalky. See, when you do make them laugh or you do see them happy, it means a hundred times more. So, yeah, Clarky will be really, really happy, but I suppose. Only those of us with the insight can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I almost sometimes think that he kind of tempers expectation with these post-match reactions at times. But um, oh, he it, does. No, no, that's definite. That's deliberate. Don't worry about that. I mean, Jock Steen did that. Remember, this is this is a long history we've got. This is going back to you know Argentina, where we everyone allegedly get carried away and went mad, and we're going to win the World Cup stuff. You know, we're absolutely lessened as a nation by that. That's got a shadow, a long, long shadow. And Jock Steen was the first man to say, right, okay, get our heads on right. Let's remember who we are and what we are. And uh, everything since then has been, when we qualified, we were overperforming. So I'm absolutely delighted now that finally we can, we can drop a wee bit of it, can't we? Just a wee bit. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, this this must be. I know he's had a long and 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 very good coaching career, um, but this will obviously be the proudest moment he's ever felt. You know, does this just put him back in the the world stage map of of coaching ability? Um, someone who might be courted away from Scotland at one point now that he's he's achieved this. That's a great question, actually, and something that I kind of I've tried not to think about for for a little while. You know, the history of it is, you know. When Stevie, you know, he had a really good run in the clubs he was at in Newcastle, Chelsea, Liverpool, etc. Then he did the West Brom thing. And to be fair, he did a right good job there. And I've, before he went to Kilmarnock, I met up with him. And I think it was 50th birthday, Clarkie's 50th birthday. Um, he had one poor turn. He had it at Turnberry. Not a good move, mate. <laughs> but, you know, and the, the thing about him is, I talked to him that night and I said, he's desperate to get back in. He says, like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's... I suppose he'd not, he probably had been hurt because, you know, he'd done a good job. And when you do a good job, you, suck, you expect it to be rewarded to it. I always think there was other jobs out there for him. In fact, I know because I, I had one that I almost got for him myself. I mean, I very, very close to getting him into Hibs so, before he went to Kilmarnock. So, you know, it was, it was very, very close, Clarkie, in that one. So, 
you know, there was things there, but I could see in his eyes that he needed something that would you know, really engage him. And when he took the command when I went down to see him uh, down Rugby Park, and it he, he came across as, I'm having a last week go at this, you know, because he knew his ability, he knew that within the game he was highly rated, but, you know, to be fair, Clarkie's made plenty out of the game, you know, financially. And when Kilmarnock went as well as it did, I I'd certainly think, although you can hardly see it in the outside, it definitely regenerated. Many thanks to Pat Nevin. Um, JJ, where did the where did the game plan go so well last night? Uh, where did it go well? Uh, it went well that we won the game. <laughs> yes, um, I think. <laughs> I think Scotland started all right, but I think Serbia were the better team from from the start. And it, after a while, Scotland grew into it, and the game was mostly kind of like nothing really happening. But in these kind of games, it's it's one mistake or a moment of genius often settles them. And it looked like it was going to be Christie's. That's such a clever, clever goal. The way he reverses it, it it's the kind of thing he's capable of. That I mean, it's a really, really uh, it's kind of a great player that can do something like that. But um. I thought Serbia were pretty rubbish. I was yeah, surprised definitely. by how bad they were. I watched them in Wiseca. I remember the last podcast we talked about. Like I was convinced we we're going to lose this because natural pessimism. But having watched it, like I said in the podcast last one, they're not that. They're not all that, honestly. And uh, the the shape, like the system they're playing, doesn't really get much out of them. I mean, they had Luka Jovic on the bench. Obviously, he came on. But you have Mitrovic, who could have played a two, maybe would have worked. Tadic, you've got to get in the teams. Uh, Milinkovic, Savic is a good player. But as an actual unit, I didn't think they were anything really special at all. The goalkeeper, I know very well from many, many years of football manager. <laughs> <laughs> goalkeeper terrified me. That black eye, man. Jesus. <laughs> I, um, I'd heard a, a Serbian journalist say earlier in the week that the, the problem with the Norway was that they didn't attack Serbia enough and didn't put their defence under pressure. And the Serbian defence is their weak link. And he'd been saying um, Scotland's best bet is to go all out attack um, and put them under pressure and that kind of gave me the fear because I was thinking well we're away from home such a big game it's such a, a natural reaction to go right we're just going to defend um, and, and play on the break so to see Scotland actually I mean I'm quite surprised you're saying that we, we played alright I thought this was one of the best Scotland performances I've seen in a long long time in the sense where we looked comfortable not just like we were containing the game and we were com- like we were, we were looking after the opposition we looked comfortable we we didn't let them get a sniff of anything and whenever they were near our goal we just looked so in control of everything so confident just cool and calm and composed and that's that's not normal watching Scotland I mean at half time you're thinking this is not a normal Scotland performance we're in a do or die game and I'm not worried I'm not stressed at this point and I didn't feel like it was all going to go horribly wrong and I didn't feel like we were going to be in for the the nervy end that that did actually happen I was I was surprised I have to admit I I was surprised at how well Scotland started the game in the in the way that they did by the fact that the the possession that they had the the way that they kept the ball and they just for the first time I actually felt that we were dangerous even though we didn't really test um the Serbian goal that much I, I feel the same as you, Laura. I kind of felt surprisingly comfortable no, feeling like I think we are going to get a chance and I think if we can get a couple, we, we will score. And I think that was the case for the for the, for the the at least halfway through this, the second half. Christie's goal was great. I mean, 
JJ, you say Christie has been influential for Scotland. I think he's scored or assisted six goals in his last six games for his country. Just highlights how important he is for the team. But I think the real change after the goal, the real change that terrified me was um, the substitutions just seemed to kill our, our momentum. and, this, and kill That gives me the fear thinking back to those subs. Oh my God. <laughs> it kind of felt like Steve Clark had, um, what were they, about 75 minutes or so? Um, it kind of felt like he was going, right, we've, we've got it in the bag here, let's just play this game out um, and go defensive, which was probably the worst possible route to take because that gave Serbia the confidence and they, they, they grew from it because we weren't putting them in under any pressure. To take off three of our best players, it felt like he wasn't looking ahead to the, the possible extra time and penalties. Um, I think the, the substitutions were strange. I don't think the three that came on added anything. Um, I and agree. It just contributed to the most stressful 40 minutes possible. The thing is, Lyndon Dykes was amazing in this game. Absolutely amazing. I think he won every header. I think he was just busting a guy. I think he probably wanted to... He was probably on his last legs, to be fair. Like, to sub him off, fair dues, but... Bullying everyone around him. I mean, the ref was given absolutely nothing uh, for us when, when Dykes was involved. There was another he... reason. Of me, like, we were both. We were all saying it in, WhatsApp, in the WhatsApp group, weren't we? We were saying, like, this is either going to be a mistake from us or the referee's going to give oh, this to say. I mean, the way I was looking at it at halftime, I was thinking, this is like the Italy game all over because it was a do or die game in the pouring rain. We've got a dodgy ref that's given us absolutely nothing. Um, it's just, it felt like. Everything was hanging on one mistake was going to swing it, that or the ref. That's exactly the way I saw it going. The Christie goal was fantastic, though. And what a boy. His interview afterwards, honestly. I I still I can't watch it without welling up. He, he epitomised the entire country in that interview. His tears are just reflecting how we're all feeling last night and today. And there's a few things that were relevant with, like, uh, especially substitutions and the general shape of the game. But I think... Serbia, like I said, I don't think they turned up. I think they were really poor and they should have won this. Like um, Underlying stats in the game, like XG, Serbia have a slight advantage in this game. So it's very, very even, settled by one moment of magic by Christie. But the, it, that tends to happen when you have two teams playing that same system. So it's, very, it's like man for man. As long as you win your battle across the pitch, you can keep them quiet. And uh, it's this kind of 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 or three, three kind of shape that both teams are playing and they do it in different ways. Dykes it was really important to how Scotland were playing because you could get the ball quickly up to the, up to top and you could take it down and progress from there. Whereas Mitrovic wasn't really doing it quite as well um, for Serbia, but they were playing more keep ball. So they were passing shorter than Scotland were. So often it was a direct pass so you could get the ball up quickly and shift up. And that's why Serbia had far more possession. It was 58% they had. So they had more of the ball, but I agree with Laura that we controlled the game out of possession really well. And uh, got the ball forward quickly so we can move up from there, which really helped. The substitutions uh, sort of made sense. Dykes would have been knackered. You've got, what, they came on the 83rd minute, I think it was. So you had about seven minutes plus extra time, maybe 10 minutes to go. Um, McGinn puts everything into these games. So you, although you lose him from the pitch, it could be that just one little run he doesn't have the energy for, they could have maybe not tracked, because he's basically a third pressing player. You look at his average touches in the game, he's right up next to where the strikers are, where, where Christie and, and Dykes were. Uh, and McBurney uh, looks like a big lad like Dykes, but he, I think we, we learned definitely last night, he's not good at winning the ball in the air with his head, he's good at taking it to feet and controlling it and laying it off. So even though he's a big lad, he's better at, it's like Peter Crouch was, 
Uh, he's not as tall as him, but you know, he's really good with his feet, but you think he's going to be a like a pole up front that you can just hit it to and he'll be able to, to knock it down. Not very good. And that's why Patterson had to come on after that to give them some sort of aggression up front. McBurney's got to play in a two, but I don't think he's... I just It works for Sheffield United because the players around him, but I just don't know uh, if he's... It just doesn't right feel like there. a good fit. As soon yeah. as he's on, it doesn't feel like a good fit. I, I want him to be good. I really want it to work for him. But um, And the other thing as well, like we, we saw at the end, like poor Scott McTominay, another like half-decent game from him, but it's just that little, little bit of uh, something missing. Concentration. From not being, uh, maybe aggression. I think it's aggression. Like, because he's got he's got Jovic in the box for the for the yeah. goal that we concede, and he's 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 literally touch tight, and then the ball comes in and he just stops. It's like he's watching everything happen around him. You know, like the people say when you're in a car crash, everything in slow motion. You can see yourself like outer body. It's like that was happening to him as we were watching him do it. I'm watching myself watch Scott McTominay watch himself. Uh, <laughs> What was your what was your guy's reaction to that goal going in? Because like, Kieran Cannon pointed out um, that this was only Jovic's third goal in the last year. Can't get in the game, yeah. I mean, it felt like, here we go again. Uh, that is an overriding emotion with Scotland, is you just kind of have to shrug it off and kind of laugh at the irony of it. Because you're holding on and you've got all these thoughts and the clock is counting down, you're thinking, like... I'm going to celebrate like I've never celebrated in my life. I'm, I'm seconds away from it. And we've been there so many times, so many times before, where in the 90th minute, it's taken away from us. And I, I think I'm, I'm old and jaded now to the point where I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, that was inevitable. That was obviously going to happen because it's Scotland and we do things the hard way. So when it went in, you've just got to go, there we go again. Here we go again, Here it is. exactly. And then we had to go through extra time, which was just, I don't think, I don't remember anything of extra time. No. I pretty much watched it all through Nothing the palms really of my hands. But it was, it was like a flatness as well. I feel like all the, the shouting and the emotion that had went in through the first kind of 90 minutes, I think, I don't know if it was everyone else was feeling the same, but I was just sort of like, right, it felt like I was we were lining up and just waiting to be shot it was yeah. just when yeah. is the inevitable bullet coming it's it's going to come so just hurry up inevitable and get it over bullet. with I like it it's exactly <laughs> the same feeling I had watching that as I did being in the stadium at uh, Aberdeen Cali Thistle in the League Cup final like just waited oh. so long so so desperate to win it but you know it's not coming <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say as well in, in fairness to um, to 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 McBurney, like came on, scored his penalty. Do you know he's kept his head for that? Fair. I, play, I feel like I'm absolutely. always slagging him off. Like I don't, I don't like it. I don't want to slag him off. I want I him feel, to be yeah, good. I like. I feel him. like he's he's got this this the the commitment's been questioned so much. He's got this hanging over him that there's so many questions over him. Um, the fans are still maybe not completely convinced by him yet. And I, I'll, I'll hold my hands up when he when the penalty when it went penalties. I I was texting people saying it's going to be McBurney that misses it, not because I've got anything against him, but because I just feel like that was the way the narrative was going. He was inevitably going to be the villain. Um, it was just everything was teeing up to be that that Hollywood ending of that's exactly what's going to happen. So to see him step up and convert it, I mean, I was absolutely delighted for him, and I just feel like he's probably got a monkey off his back as well now. Oh, it was massive. I, I, I was like, yeah, I put my head down just like, I, quit. I can't watch this. I can't watch McBurney. It's, it is nailed on for him to miss it, like you said. And he scored it. And I absolutely love him for it. Totally love him because he's played his part. But I think someone else stepped up last night 
Declan Gallagher was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Mitrovic, you know, JJ, he's a good striker, but Gallagher just had him in his pocket. I was saying yesterday, they, in the team sheets came in, I was like, oh no, McTominay and Tierney, like two fullbacks, well, one fullback and one midfielder as centre backs. I just thought that was. Like, who am I to doubt Steve Clark, who's a very good manager, the best manager, in fact. He's but, a brilliant uh, manager now. It's just like, like we've like said before, having. Having players who, like, they're good players, both of them, individually, but having them just slightly out of position, even though Tierney plays, we're talking about this yesterday, Laura, even though Tierney plays at Arsenal, it's it's a different system because Arsenal have all of the ball. So he he's actually, although he starts as a left centre-back, he's always in possession, attacking wide left. So he's still a wide attacking player rather than being a centre-back. The defensive phase is yes. But McTominay as well, you can't learn all the nuances of this position in a couple of weeks of training, and a couple of games that it's it, people force their careers over years to get perfect like international level, but they're doing okay. Gallagher anchoring them all together, it's got to be him there. I thought there were so many players who stood out. Like Gallagher is one, uh, obviously Marshall. I thought I thought Tierney was excellent, especially when he got forward. There was a, a driving run he made late in the second half, I think. There was yeah. just no one there to pick it up. He was superb. I thought Dykes was excellent. McGinn leading the press. I thought Callum McGregor and Ryan Jack were excellent in the middle as well. Andy Robertson as well. I thought. It- Probably his best game in a Scotland strip for a long, right? long time. I, I thought the opposite. <laughs> oh, really? Other oh, than his oh. mess, the one where I thought he, he, oh, I God, don't know yeah, how he yeah. could have hit the time. No, I, I felt they all did so well. Declan Gallagher, outstanding. I, I, I was quite disappointed in the build-up to the game to hear so many people discussing who they would pick in their start living, and it was always Gallagher they were looking at to see who, who's going to go in there. Is it Cooper? Is it McKenna? Is it Gallagher? So many went for McKenna, and I just felt like, what had he done wrong in the last three games to, to merit being dropped? He's, he's never, up until last night, he'd never conceded a goal when he was in defence. He, he hadn't lost a game. He's been an absolute rock in defence for us. I think I may have told him I loved him last night when he texted me a video <laughs> of the, the celebrations in the dressing room. <laughs> there was a lot of capital letters <laughs> and, and declarations oh, yeah. of love. <laughs> but yeah, what, what a hero. And he will he'll absolutely lap it up as well. He's a national hero now and he'll love every minute of it. <laughs> uh, you could, you, he is the, the best header of the ball I've seen in a long time. But this is it, guys. We're, we're now through to the Euros. Um, we've got Czech Republic, Croatia and... England. Bring We're going to do them on. all. <laughs> Some of those games are in, uh, at least one of them is in Wembley, I think. Uh, the England uh, game's at Wembley. Is it, I think Croatia's at Hamden, is it? The, the Croatia and Czech Republic games are at Hamden and England's the one in the middle, and that's at Wembley. Oh my God. So Euro 2021, whatever the hell it 2020. is. 2020. Yeah. That's like. We're through to it, and it's in Scotland. Actually, there. Oh, yeah, there's, actually... there's a little bit of that's... disappointment there. Yeah. Well. If we're gonna pick, so if we're still gonna maintain that dour attitude that we're so well known for, it is the aspect that we finally made a major tournament for the first time in 22 years, and we're off to Mount Florida. We're getting the number 75 bus up the road. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the dressing room, got a towel over my head, and I can just hear goal after goal after goal going in and um, I mean that's that's down to me that then yeah that was a that was a low point definitely and big regret Peter Crouch is pretty good at podcasts apparently so he joined Ruby Walsh and Paddy Power himself on the latest from the Horse's Mouth show to talk about Liverpool's spurs and feeling like a head on a stick search Paddy Power on your podcast provider and listen now Paddy Power 18plusbegambleaware.org This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Let's turn to the man who we always look to at times of national significance, Mr. Adam Miller, a.k.a. Old Fun Facts on Twitter. Adam, how's the heat? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. Um, I just I don't think I got enough booze supplies in last night because I didn't think it would <laughs> end up like that. But uh, if I'd known, then it might have been a different story. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, so am I. So am I. Um, are we not a joke anymore? Do people have to take us seriously now? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know if you could ever rule out Scotland. I mean, there's there's going to be some kind of possibility, like some somehow Scotland will find a way to get the, the, the tournament cancelled or something like that. <laughs> um, but I don't know, Nicola Sturgeon has an empty, invites the players around and one of them picks up super long COVID that rules them out until roughly July next year. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's odd because you were you're sort of bracing last night for that glorious failure, and um, I was prepared. I was prepared for any eventuality. If I get asked in the future what I was doing when Scotland qualified, I'll have to explain that I had a tweet lined up on my phone for Scotland losing and a tweet lined up on the <laughs> laptop for Scotland winning. Um, <laughs> uh, it's de- it's definitely harder to to satirise a team that's winning but if you gave me the choice between Scotland reaching a major tournament and me getting a few more retweets I think I'd know what to choose It's quite a nice group of like lads they seem like good characters as well in the team you, like, you want them to do well it's nice that these are the boys that have done it and there yeah, must be they... must be a few little bits you can make some fun of as well with the old uh, Twitter account Oh well yeah I mean I've, I've, I've had a few I think uh, I think if nothing else we can we can finally retire the train spotting gif about it not being very good being <laughs> <Yeah>. Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they do seem like a likeable bunch of guys. How does the images of David Marshall sit with you? It's one thing that I think we're never, ever going to like stop seeing in the backs of our minds. when It's going to be used in like VTs. Anytime Scotland are close to qualifying again, we'll always be seeing David Marshall looking at the referee going, is this, is it, is it over? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I, I said on, on Twitter it was the most Scottish thing ever to finally have something good happen to you, but you need to check that it's actually happened before you're allowing yourself <laughs> to enjoy it. Um, like, the players were all racing. The, the, the second he made the save, the players were racing towards him, and he's still thinking something's, something terrible is about to happen, like the other shoe's about to drop, but I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. But, yeah, um, it'll be right, those, those images will be right up there for, for years and years to come. The, the unfortunate thing with the national team is that many of the kind of images that you regard as iconic are kind of negative ones. You know, Ali McLeod with his head in his hands, that kind of thing. Um, but this one goes in the positive pile, Archie Gemmell, James McFadden, all that kind of thing. Um, but it was it was absolutely brilliant. And I loved the, the footage that the, the national team account shared, I think it was this morning with the, the players all in a conga line singing David Marshall's name. We've been talking about like um, Declan Gallagher and Lyndon Dykes, um, just talking them up. I mean, how big a night was it for those players? Because these aren't your typically, typically sexy players, they're not your kind of flair players, but they were massive for us, weren't they? Yeah, I, 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 was, I was really impressed with both of them. I think Dykes, in 
particular has been a fantastic addition over the last few games. I mean, it went from, you know, a few a few games ago when it was decided that he was going to play for the national team, it was, do you think he'll get a, a, a game to now going into that game last night? He must have been one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, I think probably the most beloved Australian in Scotland since the time I saw the guy who plays Dr. Carl Kennedy in Neighbours perform an acoustic set at the Strathclyde Union. <laughs> That <laughs> was pretty good. That actually, there was like there was a Q and A afterwards, and my mate Scott said, "Could you take Paul Robinson in a fight?" And he replied, "I would snip Paul Robinson like a twig." <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that. I think I remember when he came to Scotland. That was yeah, a really was, big deal. I've, I've never got over it. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> but yeah, but Gallagher and Dykes, brilliant. What about Steve Clark? He's a bit of a comes across as a bit of a miserable guy, but how can we how can we paint him in a positive light any more now than he's just an absolute legend. Yeah, I mean he'll always be the guy that did it. And uh they my my pal Gaby's a Kelly season ticket holder and he's been referring to him as Sir Steve for a few years now and I think that'll <laughs> catch on now. But I, I sent Gaby a picture of Clark with a kind of half smile in his interview after the game last night and he said it was genuinely the most emotional he'd seen him (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I think for for Scotland and the sort of Scottish psyche it feels right that we qualify with someone as kind of dry and understated as Clark like he he might allow himself a fist bump if we win the Euros Um, (laughs) but yeah I I think I think there's something you can really easily he's, he's easy to identify with Clark and I don't think it would quite feel the same, you know, you'd take anyone getting you there but if it was a sort of slightly um, someone a bit bit more pizzazz like Brendan Rodgers or someone like that, it wouldn't feel quite the same Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie and the games don't stop here for Scotland, Charlie. No, they don't. It's Nations League time, starting on Sunday with Slovakia hosting Scotland in the Hangover Derby. As you know, I'm a, a keen follower of Slovakian Instagram, and I can tell you that following their qualification for Euro 2020, they've been partying just as hard as Steve Clark's boys in the last 24 hours, which might be why Paddy Power can't separate them in the odds. Both Slovakia and Scotland are 13-8 to to win this match with the draw perhaps the most likely option at 11-5. Ultimately, it might come down to who has the most Barocca. In other news, if you were listening on Tuesday, Scotland's odds to win Euro 2020 have dramatically halved from 500-1 to to 250-1 to with Paddy Power. That might be because they've actually qualified for the thing, but I prefer to think it's down to that sensational performance in Serbia. (laughs) Brilliant, Charlie. Well, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. So it feels like these Nations League games coming up don't really matter. I kind of 
I'm not really looking forward to them. I feel like we've just done what we need to do and we can relax. But these games do matter that are coming up. So what we're four points clear of of our our B group or our B two group, and we've got Slovakia and Israel. Slovakia on Sunday, Israel on Wednesday. Laura, just sum up the importance of these games and what it might mean. Yeah, I feel like I keep having to remind everyone just how important these games are because, I mean, even last night, my dad was shouting at me, they don't matter, Sunday's game doesn't matter. And I'm going, no, 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 it does because it's a different competition we're trying to qualify. Um, the Nations League isn't trying to get us into the Euros. So let's let right, let's break it down. So the Nations League games we're playing on this week coming, Sunday and, and Wednesday, um, they are trying to help us get a World Cup 22, 2022 spot. spot. Um now, it's it's not in our hands just now. Basically, what happens is the two best winners out of the 14 Nations League groups get a playoff spot. And it starts off with League A. So the best two group winners from League A's winners reach the playoffs. But if they qualify the traditional way, that drops down to the next one and the next one. So what we need is to finish the best of Group B, which is the current position we're in. That's the best we can finish, so that we can only be the, the fifth best group winner. That's, that's, that's what we're aiming for. And then we have to hope that three of the f- Group A winners qualify the automatic way. Oh my thinking, God, what is this? Maybe <laughs> bamboozling you slightly here. <laughs> I'm concentrating so, so hard, I still don't know. <laughs> but we would also, if we finish top of the group, potentially have another... Playoff. Yes, right. that's what that, that's what we're we're aiming for. So we we have to finish top of our group um, to get promotion to League A, which would be great, obviously, but also to be in a, win with a chance of get a playoff for the World Cup twenty twenty two. When the qualifiers start, the, so the draw for the qualifiers, the traditional way is December. I don't know if it's been given an actual date yet. Um, that will be every group winner goes through, and then every runner up goes into the playoffs. Um, and we would then join, if we were to win it through the Nations League, we would then join the runners-up in the playoffs. It's not like this uh, Nations League right now, like we just had last night, it's not like there's a a guaranteed team from the Nations League that is going to qualify for the World Cup. We get thrown into the mix with the other teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we've got M. Bison as the final boss. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like just now where it was four guaranteed winners from the Nations League that gets into the Euros. It's a kind of different setup. Um, I did tweet a big thread about this, explaining it all, probably a lot better than I've kind of sprouted out now because I can tell by JJ's face he is absolutely bamboozled. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to. I, I will. Um, I get it now. Yeah. I will retweet the the thread I did on Twitter um, before Sunday's game because I think that was broken down in a lot more concise way of explaining just how big it is. The thing is that we should highlight the fact that we have qualified for, for the Euros via the Nations League playoffs um, so this is how we were able to get into the position that we're in currently and it's probably you know fair to to point some thanks to the likes of Alex McLeish who won that group. Definitely. It's definitely the easiest route for us because we're coming up against teams of equal ability we're not like in the traditional qualifiers having to play your big team and your second big team and then hoping you're not going to mess up against the wee team like we always do. Um, it's, we are it's, the wee team, Laura. <laughs> not anymore, we're not. <laughs> we're a big team now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's it, no matter how many is in your group, it's three or four, whatever, um, even keel teams that are very on a level with each other. So 
is our best chance of getting through. And as you're saying, uh, yeah, you you have to remember Alex McLeish. Um, he got us to the playoffs. They feel like so long ago, the games against Albania and Israel. Um, two home games and two away games. It was a long, long time ago, but he got us there and he, he set up this playoff. Um, it was it was the best best possible route for us. That's a really good point on the uh, on us playing a not like smaller of the few countries there are like smaller like worse teams because that's the ones that have slipped up like it's Estonia or Latvia or something like that it's often the one that it does us in I hadn't even thought of that that's a yeah that makes total sense we can absolutely <laughs> beat teams over the same the same ilk ah everything's good ah, there you go JJ's happy hey <laughs> Laura you wanted to finish us off by saying a few things about the Scotland support and and everything that we've had to go through over the last 22 years because I mean I remember France 98 but there'll be a lot of people that don't and have never felt Scotland at a major tournament yeah I just I think this this is for the fans right now the fans have been there through it all um I I got into football watching the World Cup in 98 so I've never actually seen us qualify I've seen us in a tournament there's a lot of fans younger than me that won't have ever seen it um there's there's a lot of people I know that have been going to the, the qualifying campaigns right from the Euro 2001 all the way through. And we've been through so much torture and pain and heartache. We, the fans that were in Georgia, the fans that were in Oslo, the fans that were in Slovakia, the, the ones that sat through 90 minutes against Kazakhstan, the 4-6-0 in the Czech Republic, the, the fans that stayed in Hamden until the 97th minute against Liechtenstein, um, all the the bad refereeing decisions, the the dives, the cheats, the the Manuel Gonzalez awarding the free kick against against Italy, Jan Rezic diving for Czech Republic in the last minute, Harry Kane picking up the back pass and and killing it in the ninety fourth minute. All these times that we've left Hamden crying, all these times I've, I've cried in public <laughs> at football stadiums, um, and been asked years and years on end by by friends why do you still follow them why have you not given up by now um like all these years the only thing we've really had to celebrate is like two Lee Griffiths free kicks which inevitably meant nothing in the end we've, we've never had this sort of joy before and it just it's for this moment is for the fans that have, have been through all that 22 years of that torture and that pain that heartache and it's for the ones that have really stuck by the team all this time and saying one day we knew it would all be worth it and it's worth it now. This is our moment. <laughs> We've done it, Laura. We've, We've done actually it. done it, yeah. We've done it, folks. We've done it. Thanks to both of you. Thanks to Pat Nevin. Thanks to Adam Miller, Old Fun Facts. We're going to be back uh, a week on Monday uh, with the return of the Premiership after Rangers against Aberdeen. Exciting. JJ, what song should we end on? I don't know. But I like to boogie, so... I can boogie! I can boogie all night long! all of the Athletics Football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.